say, we yield control of this service to you. Holy Ghost, come and do everything that you want to do. You know, we sing that song about being in the presence of God. You know, in His presence is fullness of joy. And at His right hand is pleasures forevermore. We get over in the presence of God. Depression can't stay. Sickness can't stay. Confusion can't stay. God longs for a people that will settle for nothing less than just getting in His presence and saying, God, whatever happens, we want it. And I believe I'm in the right place at the right time with some people that want the Holy Ghost in His presence on Sunday afternoon. Amen. 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 Psalm 122. I was glad. I rejoiced. I jumped up and down when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It matters that we choose to set aside Sunday at 5 o'clock for the presence of God and the Word of God. And He's got something great for the people of Grace and Truth Church. Man, it doesn't matter if there's 15 people, 15,000 people. You know, God told me once, son, I never serve stale bread. I really believe God says I hate day-old bakeries. I only give fresh oil. I only give fresh bread. So listen, purpose in your heart tonight. Because I came to give you both barrels, everything that I've got in the Holy Ghost. Purpose in your heart tonight. I don't care about what anybody else in the room receives. I want to get something from the presence of God today for my life. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You can be seated if you want to. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to do our best to do a little recording this morning. Pastor Will's got his. I've got mine. My daughter's going to shoot a few pictures. We've got a network of about 100 churches in the underground church. And uh, I told them I was going to send them an American word this next week. And so uh, they preach all kinds of nonsense. You know, you get pretty warped when you live under persecution. And so I said, well, look, I'm going to be preaching on Sunday night. I'm going to hit record, and I'll send it to you. And I believe it's going to be a fresh wind for some very weary men and women in the Middle East. So, praise the Lord. Well, let's see. You know, the notes make sense like the night before, the day before, but then I get up here and rarely do I ever follow them. You know, my whole thing is, I just want to follow the Holy Ghost. Amen. He knows things a whole lot better than I do. And if you try to take notes and make sense of it, man, good luck, good luck. But I know this, I know this, God only speaks words of life. God only speaks words of encouragement. And if He brings correction, it's only because you're getting off course. And I feel all of that stuff in the atmosphere tonight, so... Man, it is good to be with you. Hallelujah. Can you tell that I love you, Grace and Truth Church? I do. I love. There is nowhere on planet Earth I'd rather be than right here in front of you tonight. God's given me a supernatural love for your pastors. And uh, see, I know some stuff in the Holy Ghost. I know some stuff. And I know that going along, doing the best they know to do, but there's a 90-degree turn coming, and it's going to be so good. You know, God said in Nehemiah that we shouldn't despise the day of small beginnings, but that He rejoices. God rejoices to see the work begin. He's got a plan that He's executing to perfection. And we're just going to get in line with that. 90 degree turn and then off to the races. 
Hallelujah. And blue chairs and blue carpet and touching thousands of people. That's what I see. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Well, we were singing that worship. And uh, I just got something in my spirit. That song, Bless the Lord, O oh My Soul. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn or not turn. I want to start out tonight. I'm calling it a Peyton Manning Audible right here at the line of scrimmage. I thought I was going to go one direction. Let's go over to Psalm 103. Amen. Love it. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. You know, I talk slow, then I talk fast, and then I talk soft, and then I talk loud. Just jump in with me. You know, what you see uh, right here, this, what I'm holding in my hand, I've been working on for 24 years. When I was 19 years old, I had a dream in my heart that I wanted a Bible that didn't exist. And I've been working on something very slowly, but I, I hold in my hands, only since the iPad Pro came out, is it possible? But this is my revival Bible. And it's a New King James, New Living, Amplified, Searchable Bible. And man, it is awesome. And I have so much fun. But the problem is I keep shaking it and I do this. And I mean, it is going to go sailing and shatter. <laughs> you know, I got apple pear on it. It is what it is. But uh, let's try not to shatter it tonight. <laughs> All right. You know, in the life of, of the average church... We're only together about 50 meetings a year. I mean, the average Christian only goes to church on Sunday mornings in America. And you're going to miss every now and then for hopefully never sickness, but you're going to miss for vacation or some family thing. So about like 50 times a year, the average believer gets in the local church setting. Man, if we only, I mean, you know how fast 50 goes, right? Over the course of a year. Man, we got to plug in and listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. You know, it'd be hard probably to let your mind wander because I'm going to run all over and shout and scream and all that kind of stuff. But we got to really plug in and listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. Because this is like one out of 50 that we have this year together. And I want to make the most of it. You know, if, if, we, if we only look at the Word of God and we only spend time in the Word of God, we get dry and we get crusty. You know, and then if you only spend time over in the Holy Ghost and you're seeing all the supernatural stuff and all the manifestations of stuff I live for, man, you get weird. You know, <laughs> so the old adage is, you know, yeah. all words you dry up, all spirit you blow up, but you put them together and you grow up. So I'm going to preach some grow up kind of stuff, and uh, well, that's what I'm going to endeavor to do. We'll see how far we get. You guys in Psalm 103? <laughs> Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all His benefits. You know, nasty, dirty, stinky-led religion will make you think that if you love God, then you should serve Him without any expectation of benefits. But do you know there are lots of benefits to being a child of God? There are a lot of benefits to being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There's a lot of benefits to being filled with the third person of the Godhead. I'm going to steal all in from Andrew Womack, but you know, one third of my nature is wall-to-wall -wall Holy Ghost. There's a lot of benefits to being full of God. Now see, I would serve God and I would love Him if there were no benefits. But if there are benefits, I'm going to walk in the fullness of all of them with all of my heart. True story. There was a man... 
in Chicago, and he died homeless, and he froze to death. And when they were going through his personal effects, they found some legal documents. And he was actually the only surviving legal heir to a multi-million dollar fortune. In the city where he froze to death on the streets was a mansion sitting unclaimed by the heirs of the estate. And he was the only living heir. But because of he was ignorant of the benefits that were available to him, he died in squalor. Friends, I can tell you, someone that travels and is in relationship with people all over the world, 99.99999% of the body of Christ is living so far below their benefits and what's available. And, and I think I want to minister along these lines. I know your pastor, and you know, I don't want to like, because <clears throat> you'd like to like teach me, and you could teach around me in circles, I promise. But he was ministering on, out of Ephesians 1, I believe, about all the things we already have. And that the eyes of our heart being opened. But man, as I was sitting here on the front row, this is the thing that came alive in me. I want to talk about the benefits of some of the benefits of being a child of God. And what makes us different than all the other lost folks wandering, looking for someone to come tell them about the Lord Jesus. Psalm 103. He tells us, he said, you know, I'm on a blessing. While there's breath in my lungs, I'm on a blessing. And I'm not going to forget all of his benefits who forgives all your iniquities hallelujah and who heals all your diseases Amen. hallelujah and because I have my amplified bible handy <laughs> I hate having to preach with three bibles I used to I lay them all out forget that baby <laughs> I've had <laughs> who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases in the amplified who forgives every one of all your iniquities who heals each one of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and corruption, who beautifies, dignifies, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Living Bible says he fills my life with good things. You know, there's a lot of people that they believe about God that he fills their life with bad things. Not so. My father was at MD Anderson Cancer Hospital and I just about came unglued in the waiting room because I could hear people talking about, oh, the things God's teaching me through this cancer. I heard another lady said, I praise God that he put cancer on my husband. Oh. It took everything in me not to get thrown out of there. Amen. Don't impugn the character of my dad. Everywhere in the ministry of Jesus, what did he do? He took sickness off of people. He took oppression off of people's necks. He never put stuff on people. Amen. Amen. And, you know, this is the God that we've been given to represent to the world. But sadly, if you look in the life of most Christians, they're just as sick as the world. They're just as broke as the world. They're just as confused as the world. They're not walking in all the benefits of salvation. And here's the way I used to tell my church. You know, I pastored for like 20-something years, so I have a heart for the local church. That's why I love being with you guys, you know, and I, I do itinerant meetings, and we're believing God to open big doors, but I, I really only want to make relationships with churches so I can watch people grow. Every time I look at you, brother, I see you in that captain's uniform from a couple weeks ago. I'm like, yes, sir, <laughs> captain of your own ship. I'm going to be back at Grace and Truth Church. I'm going to be with him for at least the next five years. And I'm going to see you have your own business and have your own employees and have your own fleet. 
See you writing big checks to send the gospel all over the world. Yeah, I promise you. Do you believe it? Yes, sir. See, if you don't believe it, it'll never happen. Oh, no. You believe it? Well, what you got? What you got? We'll start tomorrow. Boom! Tomorrow he starts. Hallelujah! G.H.S. Curries. All right. Praise the Lord. Do you know about that, Pastor Will? All right. All right. Before I leave, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to give you something in the Holy Ghost that will speed things up for your business. If I leave that, if I try to leave that building, tackle me. All right? I mean it. Hallelujah. Right now, there's a move of God happening in the nation of Nigeria. And if you mention, man, there's a move of God happening in Humble, Texas, everybody gets excited. Talk about there's a move of God in Nigeria. It's like, yay, other side of the world. Listen, <laughs> it used to be that Americans and Western Christians set the standard for the entire world. We were what all the other parts of the body of Christ sought to be like. And, and we exported the gospel. I personally believe God raised up Christopher, Christopher Columbus, discovered America, because in his heart he knew that the men that would come here, the church that would be born, we would send the gospel to the nations of the right. world. Right. But I tell you this, this whole thing has shifted, and I promise you, if someone that had no experience with around the world said it, then maybe you could doubt it. But I promise you, we have been passed up by believers in other nations. Oh, yeah. And specifically, the nation of Nigeria. In a nation of 60% unemployment. In a nation where they, the average person lives on less than $2 a day. Just in one city, they have four churches running over a million people, all built for new converts. You can't even put your mind around what that would look like in America. And they have a battle cry in Nigeria that has just been going off in my spirit. And I told Belinda, all this week I felt like I was going to be an humble and it didn't look like my schedule was going to work. But I said, man, I just have this thing in my spirit to talk about Nigeria and this battle cry that, man, if the American church could ever get a hold of, and it's this, my case is different. They live in a nation where everybody is sick. Their medical care is so substandard. If you even catch an infection, you just might die. They don't have penicillin. They don't even have dependable um, electricity at their hospitals. But when someone gets sick in Nigeria, if they're a Muslim, if they worship pagan gods, they very well may die. But if they're a Christian, they pray for them and they get healed. And the difference in their lives is so big that they're now dominating the government of Nigeria. Even though they have a Muslim president, the Christians have so much power, so much money, they've been so blessed by the hand of God that the Muslim presidents have to sit down with the church pastors and ask them for permission on what they can and can't do in their major cities. And I tell you by the Holy Ghost, no, no wishy-wishy-washy. Put all your hope you want to in Donald Trump, not me, baby. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to so rise of power and authority in America that a bunch of heathen politicians are going to have to come to pastors and evangelists, prophets and teachers and apostles, and ask for permission on what laws they can try to put on the books. You see, I'm not allowed to talk about it right now, but I'll come back. I've seen the fall down of America, and I've seen it rise back up. No, 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 you didn't hear me. I'm not like an end-time Bible eschatology kind of guy. 
But I've seen the fall down of America. I saw the Statue of Liberty bend her knee. I've seen American cities deserted as people ran to protect their farms and their homes. I've seen civil war in America. I know what is coming to the streets of America. Because you can see all the ingredients for it right now. There is a brewing civil war in America. And I'm not really released by God to talk much about it. But it's coming. But God heard the cry of His people and we got a reprieve. Isn't that right? We got a reprieve. Things were headed really, really fast. And we got a reprieve. I believe it lasted about 12 years. So man, I'm redoubling my efforts. We're busy. You know, we got stuff going all over the world. I'm redoubling my efforts in America. Because I know that the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. You believe that? Yes. Jesus is the hope of the world. But who represents Jesus in the world? Me and you. And the world looks the way it does because of what Christians have allowed. That's also me and you. As we stand here tonight, if you lined up everybody in the world, 40 out of 100, 4 out of 10 people living on planet Earth have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. That happened on our watch. When you, when you look and see the way people talk about God in the secular media, He is so misrepresented. His power is thought so little of. There's so little open display of the miracle working power of God that our silly politicians, they equate Christianity with Islam and with Hinduism and with Kabbalah and with you know, Christian science and all this other nonsense. You can't pull that nonsense off in other nations where, when the, where people die, they bring them to church. They don't take them to the morgue. They take them to church. Take it in Nigeria, where hundreds of babies born with the AIDS virus in their bloodstream, proven by a blood test, get taken into a Sunday morning service in Lagos, and every single one comes out with purified blood. Praise God. See, there is a God in heaven. Jesus did subdue and defeat all principalities. I'm so sorry, American church, that we've represented Him so poorly, and we've settled for so little of the power of God. But I want you to know that there is a generation rising that says, I'm going to walk in the fullness of everything that Jesus paid for. Yes. Here's the deal. If Jesus thought enough of it to provide it, then I should think enough of it to walk in it. Yes. And you know, you talk this way and you get labeled like a health and wealth preacher. I'm a health and wealth preacher. Amen. I am. I'm for health. If Jesus took stripes to make me well, I, I'm a health preacher. And if for His sake, he became poor, then by his poverty I could become rich. I'm a prosperity preacher. But not to consume on myself. See, I don't want to, I'm not going to walk in divine health all the days of my life just so I can get back by the pool in my mansion. I'm going to live in divine health. And I'm going to live in a mansion, if I'm even home, so that I can send the gospel all over the world. You know, I went through a time in my life where God let me do some things away from the ministry in the areas of business. And um, I came up in the ministry, I made $500 a month for years. And even in 1993, $500 a month is not a lot of cash. Young people, is $500 a month a lot of cash? Not so much, right? No. And when you're living in a 10 by 12 room in the church basement that floods with sewer about once a month down to your knees, not the ideal living situations. I got some sewer stories to tell you. I feel so close to the people in my church. You know. <laughs> so I never got into the ministry. To, you know, I didn't care about money. And I really still don't. It's just a tool. 
money is like the is like the fumes that follow the preaching of the gospel. But God let me do some things in my life where I went from making five hundred dollars a month to I woke up one day and I had a hundred employees. I owned a small mortgage company. I had four offices. And I was having millions of dollars pour through my hands. And God let me have a three and a half year run of showing me that I could handle and He could trust me with millions of dollars. What do you do when you have millions of dollars? I promise you, the same thing you do when you have thousands. And the same thing you do when you have hundreds. If God can't trust you to be faithful when you have hundreds, I promise you He can't trust you when you have millions. That's right. You know, um, who's this guy? Uh, he, just, he just became the richest NFL player in history, Derek Carr. I'm not a football guy. Uh, Raiders. He just signed a $125 million contract over five years. I mean, with my you know, limited Laporte education, I believe that's $25 million a year. They said, what's the first thing you're going to do? I got the soundbite, Pastor. He said, well, I'm going to tithe, just like I have, just like I have on every dollar since I was in college. Listen, God's no dummy. He knows who he can trust. He knows who he can promote. So listen, there are benefits. And, and listen, I don't want to just focus on health, and I don't want to just focus on money. We can talk about peace and talk about all this stuff, but I want to go over quickly some things that are just burning in my heart for you to make sure that we don't be suckers, that we don't walk like ignorant fools of the things that God made available, and then we try to live without them. And man, you know, I didn't mean to talk about money. You know, listen, even in a beautiful place like Grace and Truth Church, you should feel the atmosphere shift a little bit when you mention money. It happens everywhere, everywhere in the West. You know why? Because people have a... I'm just going to... If I don't get in trouble, I'm going to get in trouble, Pastor. Go people it. have a demonic stronghold as it relates to money. Yes. It's the one thing that Satan knows he can control your life. Because, look, you know, I'm prophetic, right? I mean, I see things in, like, super black and white. And, I mean, I see movies playing over people's heads, like, even now. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I don't even know if it's a rated R movie. Don't see it if it's rated R, but there's a movie I keep seeing, Russell Crowe, called Master and Commander. And he's, that's what I saw when I first looked at you. Y'all know Russell Crowe, actor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like 1700s, 1800s, yeah. and he's like, you should watch Master and Commander. I keep seeing you, but you're a much better, much more handsome version. <laughs> rated R, don't see it, but you know, hey. I don't think it is. Hallelujah. It was not good, but it wasn't good. So. <laughs> <coughs> But see, if you stand in front of people and you ask them, what is the one thing holding you back from doing everything that you know God called you to? 99 times out of 100, it's going to come down to money. Yeah. And you ask people, if money were no object, if you were independently wealthy, what would you be doing with your time? They always talk about, I want to serve, I want to bless, I want to minister, I want to make provision for others. But then they go and they work for minimum wage, or $25 an hour, or whatever it is, but so far below what God can do. And because the response gets so cool when you talk about money, preachers pull back. But I don't pull back. See, I know God wants us free in the area of our finances. Yes. Just like, man, listen, you know, you start talking about sickness and disease, and people have been living with something for years and years and years, and they've convinced themselves that there's some great reason why they're sick. No, there's not some great reason why you're sick. With one whiff of the presence of God, all of your sickness and disease can leave. Amen. That's the truth. My daughter, Madison, see this beautiful girl taking pictures over here? She was diagnosed with an incurable disease. How old were you when it started? I think five. 
When she was five years old, this, this beautiful little bubbly thing started to limp terribly. And she was diagnosed with an incurable form of very aggressive um, junior rheumatoid arthritis. And I went into the juvenile. greatest... Juvenile. What? Juvenile. Juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And we went into the greatest trial physically that we've ever known because it was so aggressive that it jumped sides of her body and it got into her eyes. So they were telling us she could be blind, she could be in a wheelchair, and so we took her to the best doctors in the world, Stardish Wright Hospital, and we were in the ministry, not making more than $500 a month, and uh, <laughs> God's taking us some places, praise God. But our doctor referred us, and we went over to Stardish Wright Hospital, and they started treating her, and they injected her every single week with this drug called methotrexate, which is a chemotherapy drug. And we watched our daughter over years of having this poisonous chemotherapy in her body. It did help with the swelling in her joints. You know, she, she limped when she walked, and she couldn't move and play with all the other kids. And it helped with some of that, but it made her sick all the time. She was always super pale. She threw up all the time. It's like living on chemotherapy for years. And the end result of that is it'll take her womb, make her barren. And so we were faced with doing that for the rest of her life. But we saw our daughter just fading, not very happy, always weak, always sick, couldn't run and play. And man, it really challenges you. It's one thing to get up in front of people, proclaim the healing power of God, line up all the sick people, knock them all down. I mean, that's one thing, and that's awesome. But man, when it's in your own house and you're having to stare at it day in and day out, once you know, I felt like the biggest failure is a man of God. But I believe, Psalm 103, that he heals all of our diseases. Yes. I believe, 1 Peter 2.24, that by his stripes we were healed already. And that I'm not trying to motivate God to do anything. Yes. See, I came up in religion, which made me think that if I had to pray enough, fast enough, confess enough. And if I did, maybe God would stand on one leg, the wind would be going just right, and he'd press that healing button and Madison could be healed. But as I got a hold of the truths of grace, I realized that we are living in the finished work of the cross. Amen? And there's nothing I can do to motivate God to heal my baby because she's already healed. Yes. Yeah, I know you sound nuts in 2017 talking this way. Even though she has symptoms in her body, she was already healed. So we did all the nutritional stuff, we did all the gluten-free stuff, we did all this and we did all that. And hey, listen, I lost a lot of weight. I'm telling you, I, I, I've eaten sugar for breakfast, sugar for lunch, and sugar for dinner. And I've eaten healthy stuff. And believe me, life is better on planet Earth not eating sugar at every meal. Right. Tastes good, makes you feel bad. That's right. Amen. I used to think that I had a demonic oppression over my life. But it wasn't a demonic oppression, it was sugar. And walking around in a kind of sugar coma all the time. <laughs> It wasn't a devil. It was just sugar. Coke, Dr. Pepper, Shundai, Bluebell ice cream. But uh, So we, we had to make the decision that either we're going to stand in faith and see my daughter healed. Or we're going to watch her just get sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker. Not be able to bear children. You know, that's the dream of everyone. Right? So we decided, I mean, after much prayer and after years, we were going to stand in faith. And I made a covenant with God. That I was going to see the glory of God in my family. And that I was going to give it away to the nations of the world. Yes. Come here, Madison. Come here. Perfect. 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 This baby right here is 100% healed of an ear and In the last 
September 22nd, I'm going to be healed. May 22nd, May 22nd, I'm going to be healed. And I didn't realize, I looked on the calendar, and it was May the 22nd. It was a Sunday. And I said, hey, we're in luck. It's a Sunday. That increases the odds. <laughs> Had a regular church service. Called Madison up. Anointed her with oil. James 5.15. Had the elders pray for her, believing that the prayer of faith would save the sick. But please understand, we prayed for her thousands of times. Right? See, the devil wants us, he wants us to faint. He wants us to yeah. face adversity and give up. Yeah. I mean, the only thing God can't work with is quitters. Yeah. He can do anything, but he can't work with quitters. May 22nd, Madison gets prayed for. I asked her to do something you couldn't do. You know, no tangible difference. She goes back, sits in the back of the church, and she sits down on her knees, and she can do it without pain. And she hollers, and then she tells me, then I holler, and then we rejoice. And we saw a great breakthrough in her body. But for years, she's had a little bit of her knee that she couldn't bend. Didn't have full range of motion, and I, I couldn't do it if I wanted to because I'm a big boy. But she couldn't touch her heel to her butt. And it was a sign, and the devil told me always, you know, you see there, you see there, you've got 98% of it, but her whole life she's never going to be able to move that knee. Come here, Madison. Come here. Show them, what, show them what just in the last six months you can do that you couldn't do before. Show them real quick. See, that right there, show them. That right there is a miracle. No, med no medical doctor can do. That's awesome. Friends, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who heals every single one of your diseases. Stand in the eye. You, right now, stand in the eye. Right now, you, stand in the eye. By the power of God, I tell you that this affliction over your life and is broken. I give you strength from heaven right now. And I bring this salvation in Jesus' name. It will never, never return in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I see that thing sitting on you. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. I see that thing sitting on your left shoulder, mocking you. No more in Jesus' name. No more. Oh, hallelujah. If we were to line up a hundred people right here in Humble, Texas, and we lined up 50 Christians and 50 non-believers, their lives should look so different because the things that believers have access to, the finished work of the cross, is so different than what unbelievers have access to. It should look so different. But I can tell you as someone that's all over the place that it doesn't always look so different, but it sure is supposed to. Yes. Sure is supposed to. Let's read a scripture together. Let's go to 2 Peter. Hallelujah. 2 Peter chapter 1. Start in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great 
and precious promises that through, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. If there's one thing that comes back to me every time I stand in front of God's people, it's that God's people have exceedingly great and precious promises that they're not seeing in manifestation in their life. And there's people even here tonight that you say, look, Russell, I know, John 10, 10, that the thief comes, that that old nasty foot-looking, fit, foot, foot-licking devil, <laughs> that foot-licker, the devil, he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I am come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Amplify Bible, required for all world shakers, that you may have life and enjoy it to the full. I stand in front of God's people, and I know that they say, God, I know that this is not the abundant life that you have planned for me. I know that what I'm seeing in my day-to-day -day life, the way I spend my Monday, the way I spend my Tuesday, the way I spend my Wednesday, my Thursday, my Friday, Maybe it's a little closer on Saturday and Sunday. But the way I'm spending my life, God, I know this is not the abundant life that you have prepared for me. And I know it because I'm not enjoying it to the full. Man, I tell you, some of God's people are so bored. They're just living life. They go to bed. They get up. They eat breakfast. They poop. They eat a meal. They go to work. They come home. And they just do it all over again. Lather, rinse, repeat. Lather, rinse, repeat. But they know, God, I was created for more than this. And see, God, He's the great. He pulls us by His promise. Man, I have found that God will find someone, and in the first year of their conversion, will make them a promise, will show them the future, and then the rest of their lives are pursuing, walking in partnership with God to see this promise fulfilled. But the challenge is that a lot, of, a lot of believers, I mean, I know no one here, they do this. And they just get off track, off track, and then they come back. And then they go too far this way, off track. And if our lives are partnered with God, then they should go like this. The psalmist said that the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter and better and better until the day of his return. But you talk to most Christians, and it gets harder and harder, poorer and poorer, and suckier and suckier. That's not the heart of God. God has an abundant life for His children. And He pulls us by His promise. Revelation 19.11. John's on the Isle of Patmos, and he has this amazing, amazing revelation of heaven. And he says, Behold, I saw the heavens open, and I saw a white horse... And the rider who sat upon him was named Faithful and True. Man, I love that. That God even says that one of His names is Faithful and True. Not, not shady and cannot be trusted. Not Indian giver and overstater and exaggerator. But His name is Faithful and True. And if God promised us, if God promised us anything, then all of heaven backs us walking in the fullness of it. But he uses Sunday afternoons at 5 o'clock in Humble, Texas 
to bring course directions to our lives and say, hey, you are drifting, drifting, drifting. Come back. And what I find about God is the more someone is getting off track, the more He is committed to bringing them back into focus. Look, I don't want to rock anybody's theology, but I see people get in terrible situations. And one of the things I look for when I see major car accidents, when I see major sicknesses, one of the things that I look for as a pastor is, where are they in relation to their call and into the promise of God for their life? Because listen, man, Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God's not going to put sickness on anybody. God's not putting car wrecks on anybody. But there are people that get so far out in left field. They're just living life. They're just trying to, quote unquote, survive. They were never supposed to be on the freeway at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon in Houston, Texas. Man, there's people supposed to be in Colorado Springs, Colorado, doing something else. And I tell you, as a pastor, this is the thing I look for. And I say, okay, car totaled. You know, you got some time off work as you recover. We're going to believe God. We're going to see the power of God. But now let's talk about what's really going on. What's in your heart? Man, I was never supposed to be in that job. I was never supposed to be doing that. Listen, life is too short to live outside of God's perfect will. And you know what I found? And man, it, it just, it, it, it pisses the devil off. It is never too late to go back to the last time you heard God. To the last time that the static wasn't all over the place and you could hear crystal clear. Go back to that place and say, God, I think I'm off. I don't want to stay off. I want to be right back in the center of your perfect will. That's one of the benefits of the children of God. God lets us hit a Holy Ghost reset button. People in the world, they just get depressed and just drink themselves to death. They just shoot up with heroin. They know they're not, they were created for more, but they don't know what to do. God gives us Holy Ghost reset buttons. You know, I'm going to be 43 here in a couple months. Is that right? 43? I know how old you're going to be. You're a lot older than me. So this right here, we, we call her Cougar. She doesn't look like it, but Rob the Cradle. I think I'm going to be 43. And my life has done some of this. I have. It, loving God with all my heart. My life has done some of this. I almost married wrong. Man, you talked about a hard day. Marrying wrong. But God can work with anything. And I'm not talking about divorce. But it gives him a lot more to have to work through when you've got people that were never supposed to be together. Tough days. But I know I'm not talking to anybody like that here. Right? Come on. Life is too short to spend outside of the perfect will of God. If we, if we could really pray like David, Lord, teach me to number my days. Psalm 32. God, teach me to number my days. We wouldn't want a single day to be spent out of the perfect will of God. And I keep trying to get off of this, but I keep coming back to it. So I know the Holy Ghost is talking to somebody's heart. It's never too late to get back to the perfect center of God's will. I do a lot of counseling, and I am the worst counselor in the world. But when you speak by the Holy Ghost, people think you know like the rest of the story. And you totally don't. People think you know all their sin, and they think you know about a hundred times more than you do. Right, Pastor Will? <laughs> 
People come to me all the time. And they, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And I'm like, I have no idea. But the Lord told me audibly, he said, you can always tell my children with confidence that there's a clear word forward that I will give them. There's always a clear word to move forward. And he will give it to you. So if you're in this house tonight, at whatever time, 6 to 5 on a Sunday night, and you know that you were created for more than you're seeing today, I tell you by the Spirit of God that there's a clear word from heaven for you that God will give you so that you can get back on track. See, your case is different. See, the world, it would take them years. God can make something happen in hours that men would work for decades to do. You know, in that little analogy I was, I was telling you, I moved from Dallas from my church to Houston, Texas, and I was living in a rental, a rental house, $800 a month rental house. And in the third bedroom of that rental house, my wife and I, we said, look, we'll just close two loans a month and we'll just focus on the ministry. God has us here. We don't really understand it, but we'll just close two loans a month. Within six months, we were closing like 30 loans. And within two years, we were closing like 400 loans. And millions of dollars were pouring through my hands. I've lived that supernatural increase that God can bring. And if you watch my life, Grace and Truth Church, you give me five years and you see what we're doing around the world. You see what PowerGod.com is doing five years from now. It'll make what that mortgage stuff look like nothing. I promise Amen. you. Amen. I promise you. I promise you. I agree. There's a whole new form of media coming. And I, I, I can see it, but I don't have any English for it. It's beyond social media. It's not social media. And there's a new media coming. It's not Facebook. It's not Twitter. It's not Instagram. And Christians are going to grab it first. And we're going to use it for the preaching of the gospel. I've seen it. And it's going to explode across the world. It won't catch on in America. Not for years. But the rest of the world is going to jump on it like crazy. And Christians are going to own it. And I think it, as I'm saying that up here, I think it starts in southern India as I, as I stand here. But the Lord told me I get to be a part of it. Amen. So I'm excited, man. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. A few weeks ago, God sent me to Cyprus, Texas, to a backslidden man of God that I love very much. He is a pastor, has a tremendous call on his life. And um, he's done one of these. I mean, a big one. One of these. And I stood on his front porch, banging on the door. And um, him and his wife wouldn't answer the door. And I knew what was going on. They did not want me to be there. Because I was bringing the word of the Lord. And I looked into this man of God's eyes, who I love very much. And I told him that if you don't repent, and you don't change your ways today, that an early death is coming. And right out of my spirit, I said, you'll be dead in 12 months. No, I'm sorry if this doesn't fit good grace theology. I'm just telling you what happened. <laughs> All right? Uh, no. I think it's the grace of God. It. Yeah. <laughs> See, you know, nasty, stinky-leg religion, they do stuff like that to control and intimidate people. You don't die if you don't do this. I'm just telling you what God told me. So he goes, well, what you didn't know, what you couldn't have known, is that uh, I just got leave from my job because I tried to commit suicide last week. And, you know, and he was going to commit suicide. He was. 
And I told him by the word of the Lord that he's, his psychiatrist, secular, nasty, terrible psychiatrist, had him on medications that were messing his brain up. And I told him, I don't remember, I told him the number. And so he said he went home and he just got rid of them. And come to find out as he's been working through the weeks that there was one that, you know, the chances are like one in tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands that it literally just made his brain just not function right. He couldn't even put five words together when I was trying to talk to him. I saw him the next week, and it was like my friend was back. And he said, my wife told me it's like I got my husband back. See, God cares so much for us. He will invade our world to try to save our lives. See, Christians get that. Secular people that don't know God, they don't get that. They don't have a God who's fighting for them, right? They don't have a God that's pledged to never leave them and never forsake them. And man, even though I was the one that God used to, to you know, bring some life into that situation, man, I was thinking if I was the one that was backslid, if I was the one that was wayward, how much does God love his children to send somebody from Tampa, Florida to somebody's front door to bring them the word of the Lord? Man, he is amazing. And I feel in my spirit right now to tell you, you know, your, your kids and your relatives that are wayward, that are wayward, you have something that the world doesn't have. Your covenant with God will extend to your loved ones. Acts 16.31 says that when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your house will be saved. Now, no one, no one can receive Jesus for your loved ones but them. But your covenant with God makes it certain that they are going to have goodness and mercy hunting them down and they are coming into the kingdom. Pastor Will, I see some stuff over your house as I talk. It makes me want to run around this building. Praise Your covenant with God. Mm. It's awesome. Hallelujah. You know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll murder this one. I think Psalm 103 verse 12 actually talks about your covenant with God will extend to your children's children and they will see His salvation. I declare over you, Grace and Truth Church, that your kids, your grandkids, your brothers, your sisters, they are coming into the kingdom. God, I pray, let 2017 be the year that there's no more lost people in the houses of Grace and Truth Church. In Jesus' name, Amen. He'll do it. Yeah. Hallelujah, He'll do it. I had a friend that walked away from the faith, believed that they were... Um, you know, homosexual, lesbian, believed all kinds of crazy things against them. And I put a stake in the ground in the Holy Ghost. I began to pray and fast. And listen, I don't have any great theology. I'm not a theologian. Your pastor's a great teacher. He can clean all this up later. I'm just telling you that you can put a stake in the ground in the Holy Ghost and say, no more, you lying devil. And you can break things off of other people's lives. I've seen it in my family, and I've seen it in my friends. I've got stories that I'm not released yet to tell of what God's done in my own house. My own house. Man, we serve a mighty God. He loves us. Doesn't he? He loves you. There's no good English for how much He loves us. How much He's fighting for us. How much He wants us to receive from His mighty hand. If there's one thing that we could do that would make Jesus so proud, it would be to purpose in our hearts, we're not going to settle 
for less than what he died to make possible. And that sounds great on a Sunday afternoon, right? But on Tuesday, when the fight is on, on Thursday, when it's back to the work week and you're not in the presence of God with the fat sweaty guy up here ranting around, life gets more difficult. But the promises of God are just as true on a nasty Tuesday and on a difficult Thursday as they are right now. Praise the Lord. Have to have like 10 more minutes? Absolutely. All right. So, I was praying over this meeting, and uh, I always like try to jot down some notes. I like almost never follow them. I'm just not gifted that way. But I was taken up into a vision. And I don't want to embarrass anyone, so I'm going to just say it like real general (laughs) I was caught away in a vision and I saw a person that was literally asleep at the wheel just coasting on, on, on the highway and God loves you so much he desperately wants you to wake up when I said there's one kind of person that really God can't work with is quitters it's also settlers God has to stir your heart not to settle before He can get you to take the next step. There's no one yet that's ever walked in the fullness of everything that God wants for them. I mean, I've got some faith heroes that I love. But I promise you when we get to heaven, I promise you right now that the people that I admire so much that are in the great cloud of witnesses, you know, Wigglesworth is listening to me preach right now. And he's like, yes, yes, go boy, go! But I promise you that the great men and women that we all admire, they would tell you now that they're in heaven, they never walked in the fullness of what was available to them. And I just purposed in my heart, I don't want to leave planet earth until I'm walking in the fullness of what Jesus died to see me have and to see me walk in. But you can't and God won't force that on anybody. That's a choice. And somebody... At Grace and Truth Church is asleep at the wheel, just coasting. And I promise you, I'm not, I'm not talking to anybody. In fact, I'm looking back there at the exit sign. Somebody at Grace and Truth Church is asleep at the wheel. And God desperately is saying, wake up, son. Or wake up, daughter. No more coasting. Psalm 1 promises us. That because we're righteous people, that He wants us to bear fruit in every season of our life. But one thing that God won't do anything about, the calendar is going to flip. We could be having this conversation in 2018. We could be having this conversation in 2021. God must have people that walk in partnership with Him. When I was here a few Sundays ago, I heard Pastor Will start preaching on Amos 3.3. And I had a vision um, maybe a year ago. And I'm like, nobody preaches on Amos 3.3. And then Pastor Will. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? And I saw a vision of a bottleneck. You guys know what a bottleneck is? Like you have a big sand glass and then it all comes down. It's like this little bitty pipe. And even though there's all this stuff that wants to get through to the bottom, it's a little bitty bottleneck and it can't get through. That's what is going on in the lives of most of God's kids. There's a bottleneck. There's a restriction to the flow that God wants. 
man, there's people that God wants to bring, you know, a mate and to have a family. But there's, there's a restriction. There's people that God wants to send you abundant finances to honor some promises he made you 20 years ago. But there's a restriction. Man, if there's anything that we could go after, Grace and Truth Church, is to get with the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, whatever the bottleneck is in my life, you show me and I'll run to do something about it. And, you know, this is not the kind of thing that a prophet will speak to. Not very often. Man, these are the innermost, deepest workings of the heart. But it's the thing the Holy Ghost is after. And, man, I know that, you know, we're not all running and shouting and there's not bodies everywhere and laughing and crying. And we might do that. I mean, I'm all for it. But I know that as I've talked, the Lord has been focusing this thing down. And what he wants you to walk away with is, man, there's a bottleneck. There's a hindrance. Man, I'm supposed to come back in 2018, and everyone at this church is supposed to be in a radically better place. That's the heart of God. That's what he died to make possible. Amen. But God wants to speak to the bottlenecks. And I'm not exempt from the bottlenecks. I'm not. As I'm standing here, this is the amazing thing about preaching by the Holy Ghost. Pastor Will will tell you, you got to eat what you serve. I'm so convicted right now that I almost want to pull back, but I won't for your sake. I know that what God's talking to you about, i got to eat this thing too. You know what I get to do? I get to drive 1,200 miles back to Florida, and i got to chew on this the whole way there. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> do me a favor. Do me a favor. Close your eyes. Raise your hands. Holy Ghost, we consecrate this moment to you. Right here at Grace and Truth Church. God, we want to be the people that you created us to be. We want to walk in the fullness of everything that you died to make possible. God, there was a dream in your heart when you chose what year we would be born. God, right now, in an instant in time, show us with clarity the bottleneck. Right now, Father. Right now. I believe you right now to show every person with clarity a, a, an action, a step. Something with clarity, not something out there in the sky. God, with 2020 crystal clear vision, what is the bottleneck? And God, we covenant with you in Jesus' name to take action this week, not next month. Not when the winds are not so against us. Not when life is easier. God, we covenant with you to take action this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In closing, in closing, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I get so tired of hearing that scripture. It makes people think that, oh, you better be careful what you hope for. Because if you keep hoping and it keeps not happening, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But you know that's not what the Bible says? The Bible says, Proverbs 13, 12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life that you get to eat on for the rest of your days. Hallelujah. Hope deferred. Yeah, it might make the heart sick, but that's not you. Because the Bible promises us that when the desire, when the promise comes, when that thing you've been believing for, when that thing you were created for, when it happens... Hallelujah. It's a tree of life, and that tree will feed you.
for the rest of your days. That's, that's a little Russell add-on there. When the desire comes, it's a tree of life, period. End of divine inspiration. Start Russell commentary, and you will eat off of that tree for the rest of your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, Pastor Will, that's the word I brought to the house this evening. And I didn't have it when I walked in the door. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's a, that's a powerful word. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise for the man of God, what he's doing in his life. And we're so thankful that you're here, Russell. God bless you, and thank you for coming. You know, I received that word. I received that word, and everyone should, uh, everyone should believe it's all about them. You know, if you're humble enough to believe it's all about you, then, uh, then you're in a good position for, for God to, to uh, bring about change in your life. Amen? And uh, so I'm going to just believe it was all for me. I know a lot of it was. Amen? And, uh, but I love hearing from God because I'm ready, I'm ready for, to be whatever He wants me to be. I want to encourage you this week to uh, just one point that Russell made. Because I believe all of that was so important, so uh, such a now word, Amen. And uh, you know, God is not a got an old dusty, uh, dusty message. You know, he's he's all about now words. He he's uh, he's uh, he's current, Amen. I I was uh, I was th it made me think about some book I was reading from the some uh, awesome man of God I was reading. I can't remember who it was, but. Uh, in this book, he talks about a story that you're all familiar with, and this is what I, where I want to encourage you today as you seek the Lord about yourself and your own situation, to remember that Jesus does, he does honor our prayers for others. There's a story in Mark uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, where Jesus talks about the, the paralytic man that was brought to Jesus by his friends. Do you remember that? He was so sick, he was on a mat, and he couldn't do anything for himself. But there was a big crowd there, and nobody, uh, you know, they couldn't get to the door even, much less get inside. So, but his friends weren't taking no for an answer. They were there to see the miracle-working power of God work on their friend. And they climbed up on the roof, and they dug a hole, and they lowered him down and dropped him right at the feet of Jesus, and he got his healing. Amen. And it was because of the faith of the friends. The man usually, got, you know, God is always looking for an act of faith from somewhere. And you can find every miracle that God ever did in the Bible. I can show you there was faith coming from somewhere. Because that's what he used to, to as that tractor beam to draw out the miracle working power that he had prepared. But he honors the prayer and the, uh, the faith of our friends. And so I hope that all of you are always praying for me. That's the most selfish thing I can think of. But that's the greatest gift you could ever give me. Better than, better than some ugly old tie or anything like that. <laughs> Although I like all kind of cool stuff like that. Pray for me this week. I always pray for each of you. And I want to make sure that the bottlenecks of our lives are uprooted, broken, plowed through, undone in Jesus' name. Amen. And I believe that. I believe that there are spiritual blockades, uh, strongholds, walls, whatever you call them. And, and sometimes it's upstream even. So just pray, pray in the Spirit, pray for each, imagine each one of us 
and pray for us individually and just go around the circle and pray for everybody and ask that God reveal these things. And if you do see a stronghold or a, a blockade, um, then, then pray against it. You speak against it. Don't ask God to. You speak against it. If, you, if it pops into your mind, something to do with Annette or George or Tavana or me, then, then turn from praying to God and you start speaking to the enemy using your authority to break that thing and bring it down. Amen. I heard a story one time about a, a couple who was wanting to do great things for God and they had great plans to, to move and go elsewhere and they were waiting. It was contingent upon the sale of a house. And uh, long story short, it, it never was happening for some reason. It was a beautiful house. There was no reason, reason for it not to sell really. And finally, they heard a message about uh, how when God wants to bless you, he'll, put a, he'll bring a person into your life to be that blessing. And, and, and when it comes to financial blessings and everything else. And in this case, uh, they, they taught them that they need to pray in the Spirit to, to get through to some of these things and to break those things. And they began to pray in the Spirit against any, any, any blockades upstream, against those people that God was sending to be a blessing. And it, the next day, a guy came by the house and he said, Man, I'm here to buy your house. From the day you put that sign in the yard over a year ago, I said, that's our house. And I had the money at the time, but something happened, and it, it tied us up. And one thing after another, you would not believe, he said, just kept happening. It was so strange. And then yesterday, all of a sudden, everything fell into place. And he told the guy, you just wouldn't believe. He said, yes, I would, and I happen to know what happened there. So... Nevertheless, pray for each of us. Pray for Russell and his family. And, and uh, I think we're going to see great things in the coming days. Amen? Amen. Everybody in agreement? Yes. Bottlenecks broken in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day that you've given us to come and worship together and to hear your truth and to bring correction, the 90-degree turns and break bottlenecks and to help us to grow up and hear this grown-up word today. We receive it with joy into good soil. Thank you, Lord, for allowing it to take root and bear fruit in our lives. We will not leave here today the same as we came and good things or right around the bend. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.